0: Welcome, everyone, to It Simply Isn't Done,
1: the Sermon Recap Podcast. I'm Reverend Jess Davenport.
0: And I'm Reverend Barry Petrucci.
1: We are the pastors at Chapel Hill Church.
0: And together we are the The Reverend Reverends.
1: And uh, like the name would suggest, this podcast is the message from Sunday, where we share the scripture and then the sermon, and uh, we meet you back for some reflection on that message.
0: There will be an opportunity to, if you look down in the notes, you will see a place where you can go directly to the reflection. If you already listened to the scripture uh, and the sermon, or if you just want to skip them all together and uh, just hear what we have to think about it, um, you can go there.
1: We're happy you're here.
0: We are indeed. are
1: Easter tide two.
0: Easter tide two.
1: The recap of now I lay me down to sleep colon growing in prayer title. <laughs> Who
2: is Who God? God.
1: <laughs> We're not. And why is God words. bothering me? <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So that was this week's message. We're. um cruising along on our series about prayer and what it looks like in a progressive faith community or this kind of context and uh, very took us into our second week with thinking through who it is we're praying to Mm -hmm. who is God talking about names and your scripture was
0: Exodus 3 1 to
1: 14 Moses at the
0: burning bush who Mm -hmm. doesn't love that
1: it's a solid one it is And so if you didn't get a chance to hear that or the message, you can tune in right now. Um, If you already had a chance to hear them, you can meet us on the other side for some reflection.
2: The scripture today is from Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. "'There the angel of the Lord appeared to him "'in a flame of fire out of a bush. "'He looked, and the bush was blazing, "'yet it was not consumed. "'Then Moses said, I must turn aside "'and look at this great sight "'and see why the bush is not burned up. "'When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, "'God called to him out of the bush, "'Moses, Moses!' "'And he said, Here I am. "'Then God said, Come no closer.' from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Peserites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. Now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is God's name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. Thus you you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. A word of God that is still speaking. Thanks be to God. Amen.
0: Good morning. morning. Christ is risen.
1: Christ is risen indeed.
0: It is still true. It is also still true that we are less than perfect people. And uh, I apologize. I had asked Joy to read scripture this morning, and that didn't get translated to Tanya. And that stuff happens sometimes. So Joy, stand by. There will be another Sunday, I promise. Pray with me. May my words, O God, become your word in the hearing of your people by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Who are you? Who are you? It's a kid's question, right? Kids playing together on the playground or school, connecting for the first time. Who are you? It's a kid's question. As adults, we might pause to think about what the questioner might be asking behind that. Well, I am son. I am husband. I am cisgender male. I am father. I am a beloved child of God. I am... Adults go a little heavy in the definers of who are you. So we usually say, what's your name? Because really, that's all we want to (laughs) know. But when a kid asks that, a kid is looking for, what are you called? What's your name? Como se llama? On the other side of this wall, on the other side of the resurrection window here, is the memorial garden. Lots of you may not even know that. We have a memorial garden out there. And uh, in that memorial garden, uh, the soil contains and is nourished by the, uh, the cremated remains of saints of the church. And some of those saints were newborn. And some deceased at 90 years old and lots in between. And on the wall, there's granite and on the granite, there are names. So as the, re, as the remains live on in the garden and produce the wonderful flowers, the vegetation, the memories live on in the lives of those who knew. And the manner in which those memories live in conversation is in the name. Now, some of you may have gone to different memorials, Washington, D.C., and the state, and most communities have memorials. And and the memorials all are contained in names. Some of the most powerful moments I've had have been in D.C. at the Vietnam Veterans Memorial, which came about with no small amount of controversy. It's it's just a black slab cut in the earth. But to watch family members go and trace the names of beloved. Who are you? Who are you? So inscribed in granite, the names bring the person back into the memory of those who read, those who had connections such that the person and the name are able to be linked and become in many ways one and the same. And so it was. And so it was that when Pharaoh had the paranoid belief that the Hebrew slave population was growing too large, such that the men could form a formidable army to overtake Egypt, the king called for the infant male children of the Hebrews to be killed. No small amount of panic among the Hebrew people, right? A Hebrew mother, fearing for the life of her infant son, set him afloat in a waterproof basket on the tide, wa- tide waters of the Nile. And the Pharaoh's daughter was bathing and discovered the child. And so she got a Hebrew slave to nurse the boy. Unknown to Pharaoh's daughter, the child's birth mother was the wet nurse. And once she weaned the boy, the boy was brought back to Pharaoh's daughter, who named the boy. Moses, for she had drawn him up out of the water. Moshe means to draw out, like drawing a bucket from a well, to draw from the water. And so the naming of Moses, who grows in the household of Pharaoh, a child of Hebrew slaves who would go on to kill an Egyptian soldier for mistreating a slave, Moses, who would run away from wealth and power in Egypt, a refugee living as a shepherd in the shadows of his father in law's care. names some we have and some we don't some are connected to family and faith and others not so what's what's in a name what's in your name how'd you get your name do you know the story do you like your name Do you like the names of those that have come out of you or are part of your family now? What's in a name? Romeo and Juliet's passionate adventure included, what's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. This is Juliet's line when she's telling Romeo that a name is nothing but a name and it is hence a convention with no meaning at all. And yet... She declares her love and tells him that she loves the person who is actually wearing the Montague name and not the name itself, nor the family from which it comes. What's behind the name? Fair enough, Julia, fair enough. And yet the Montagues were known by that name and none other, not even Rose, of course, a name can have unhelpful attachments, and Romeo then may fall victim by, to guilt by association. Oh, a Montague, that says it all. It's like being named Hitler today, not a good idea. Or having a name that has become attached to modern slang vernacular, as Richards in this world have had to discover early on in life <laughs> and have had to live with. Around the staff table, we can get <laughs> a little bit silly. <laughs> we can get a little bit silly sometimes. Lisa durzik's laughing. And this week, as we talked about this scripture in staff meeting, we got to talking about names and trends at different times and different eras. We talked about the great popularity in the 1960s for the Aries. The Harry's and the Larry's and the Mary's and the Carries, and the Sherry's and even the Berries. Though, politician Barry Goldwater sort of ruined that for lots of us. (laughs) You could tell who the older people in the crowd when they can laugh. So, what's in a name? What's in a name, and does it do anything to help us know the other any better? Well, we have a hard time communicating without names, right? We have a hard time communicating without pronouns, and so we work to get both of them right. You know, I'm an old guy. And I've always had difficulty holding on to names, and I, you know, I, I meet y'all coming to church, and it takes me weeks to connect your names, and for that I apologize. And I could do all of those really good exercises to get to know, you know names betters, better, but I don't, betters, but I don't, it's tough. It's tough to know names, and it's tough to know pronouns, and we're working on it. In our text for today, the child plucked from the water and raised in the household of Pharaoh, the now man on the lamb from the law for killing a soldier, that guy now a shepherd sees a bush burning, but not being consumed. What? It's Kind of a pyrotechnic wonder arranged by the angel of the Lord, the name of an angel that appears in scripture as here, as God's, so close to God that the angel is represented as God's very self. Odd. Odd, Moses thinks. I've never seen anything like that before. And so he moses on over to take a peek. Moses, moses. I did it better first service. I had it better first service. When God saw Moses' interest had been piqued and that Moses was approaching, God says, Moses, hey, you're brought up in a barn or something? Take your shoes off. I paraphrase a little. (laughs) Take your shoes off, Moses. You're standing on holy ground. Apparently, Moses complies, though the text is not specific because God keeps on talking and calls on Moses to do this little thing. Moses, I want you to go and deliver the Hebrews from slavery. Moses, go get your people. Just ask Pharaoh nicely, and it's all going to be good, no problem. And Moses asks. I've got to believe Moses asks in this kind of deep fear and trembling, okay, who should I say sent me? And God gives the business card. Just say Yahweh sent me, Yahweh, Y-H-W-H, the Hebrew consonants, actually only three in Hebrew, Y-W-H. And the Hebrew back then did not have vowel sounds because it was a a language that was not written yet. Just say that Yahweh sent me. It's the triliteral root for the most basic verb to be. Just say, I am sent me, or I will be what I will be, or I am what I am. No, not Popeye, I am what I am, (laughs) I am what I am. So it presses the question, who is God? Who is this God who is? God is the central verb around all language. The name is delivered on holy ground. And thus, the Jewish community considers the name to be so holy that it's not spoken. When the name is in the text read in Hebrew synagogues and temples, the word Adonai is used when they see the word, see the triliteral root, Yahweh. One of the ways to keep from saying the name of the Lord your God in vain is by not saying the name of the Lord your God. And so they say Adonai instead. One of the things in Scripture and tradition that seems pretty constant and consistent is that God is and that God knows they're connected. God knows humanity in particular as a whole, and God knows humanity as a collective of individuals. God knows. Later in Exodus thirty-three seventeen, when the Moses epic story is almost done, Moses asked God to go with them, with the people out of Sinai, so that the other nations will see their God and know. The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have asked, for you have found favor in my sight, and, what? I know you by name. Knowing by name implies an intimacy and a confidence. It implies a trust. If you know my name, that's a thing. Have you ever run into somebody in a crowd who knows your name, and you're not exactly sure who they are? That's a little weird. It assumes a little bit of knowledge that you're not so sure you ever gave. Knowing by name implies intimacy and a confidence or trust. In the book of the prophet Isaiah, we get, but now so says the Lord, the one who created you, O Jacob, the one who formed you, O Israel, do not fear. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. You get it? God is and God knows intimately. So who is God? I am. It's been mistranslated as Jehovah in the King James Version. It gets used that way in popular culture. It's okay. It's not going to hurt anybody. Theologian Paul Tillich called God the ground of being. Not a being among other beings, not something created out of something else, but the very ground, the very foundation or being without which there can be no being. Ooh, heavy, right? What that says to me, maybe it says to you, is that the childlike, who are you, is a lovely way of beginning conversation with one who knows us by name, and yet is wholly, fully other. The names of God are ways for us to be in conversation with one who knows us by name, who calls us, beloved, who brings us to burning fires, to call us to do works of justice on behalf of the holy other. And so how appropriate for us in prayer to introduce ourselves time and time again. Hello, God, this is Margaret. Is that the book and the movie to come? Not a bad introduction in prayer. As Christians, we are most comfortable with that holy other manifested in the flesh of Jesus of Nazareth. We like our God to have flesh on And so we pray to Jesus, the Christ, or we pray to father or mother or other personifications of one that includes humanity yet is not humanity itself. What this has to do with this little series on prayer, I think, is that speaking with the ground of being can seem grossly impersonal. And so we pray using names that help us put language to, hey, who are you? So we say Jesus, we say parent, we say Lord, we say Holy One, we say Almighty God, we say Lamb of God, we say Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father, Wonderful God. The names are ways for us to be in relationship and yet do not contain ever the fullness of that relationship any more than they contain the full identity or the full meaning of God. So I close with the central call of a life of prayer. We go to prayer not first with the hope, not first with the aspiration of knowing God. We go first with the desire to open ourselves so that we might be more fully known to God and to ourselves. And so perhaps, who are you, might not be our first approach, introducing ourselves to God, opening ourselves to the, in the relational question, who am I? Such an approach is, in fact, spiritually removing our shoes, taking our shoes off as we have conversation on holy ground. So it might be something like, Holy One, I am Barry. (laughs) You already know that. You already know that, right? And still, I need to tell you about myself and what's been going on. It's prayer, folks. It is prayer. Try it out. Amen. Amen. Tanya, you want to come tell us about our prayer stations today. Well, welcome back. Welcome. Oh.
1: <laughs> so, what's in Another. a name?
0: What is in a name?
1: You know, a just rose
0: by any other name.
1: Exactly. Um, as a full a full confession because a, a few weeks, maybe this was not the Good Friday service, you went a little extemporaneous and you were talking about um, a lost iPhone from a staff member who shall re- remain nameless. But that was not in the script or the plan. And so yesterday you started talking about the Memorial Garden. And I was like, oh, no.
0: No, I, I thought about <laughs> it. I thought about it. But we can tell it now.
1: Yes, I was thinking the podcast <laughs> would be a great place for it.
0: Well, it's your story to tell.
1: Yeah, so was that last fall? It was kind of chilly.
0: Yeah, we were taking staff pictures.
1: Taking staff pictures, and we had some inside. And so you might see a picture where, like, Barry and I are in the sanctuary steps, and we're laughing. It's from that photo shoot. We were outside in the memorial garden, and we were on the path, (laughs) and then I stepped backwards. And Barry said...
0: Be careful you don't step on Joe or something like
1: that. Yes, and I was like, ha, ha, ha wait what (laughs) (laughs) i had been here i had been serving you know for like two and a half years or whatever and i had not known that the memorial garden was a place we actually inter the remains of people Uh, because i have been to memorials like that in dc Where the memorials in dc there is um those public ones there's often not people that are actually interred there you kind of go to remember them so I had this brief flash of like, oh no! What if he shares this story <laughs> that I am embarrassed? by? I life. thought about
0: it, but, you know, not having gotten advanced permission, I do that.
1: Thought better of it. Well, I did really like how um, you used that because that's a that's an easy connection for many of us, um, and I just also liked the reminder of why that's important to this community, but also. Um, but who we are can go forth to nourish the soil like we end up and those who kind of work in any of the um, professions around death we end up kind of facing death in different ways so um, it's nice to remind um, ourselves and other folks that I don't know, there's some other things we can do and we can remember ourselves in that particular way you can have your name there people can come and
2: remember you
0: yeah and I think the important thing that I was wanting to do in all of that, because I talked about it from a number of different perspectives, is that mm-hmm. we really we don't do very well at remembering uh, folks without connection to a name. I mean, yeah. We understand and we remember uh, by virtue of name. And m- m- One of my most powerful memories mm-hmm. is, is being at the Vietnam Veterans Memorial. And, and I used to, because uh, Lisa is a CPA and, and I travel in months that, she can't go anywhere uh, because she's doing tax stuff. And I, I did um, some traveling in Civil War uh, memorial areas and, uh, and then one year ended up in D.C. And, and doing some wandering myself. And it was my first time coming in, in contact with the Vietnam Memorial, which had all kinds of rigmarole around it when yeah. it was installed and lots of controversy because it was black and, and, and it was received as kind of a commentary. About the war, but I'm watching family members uh, fingering those names, and, and wrote a song about that that that, that tactile uh, connection between the name they know and this this life that's now um, constrained to their Vietnam service and uh, the giving of the ultimate sacrifice. So so that sense that 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 memory of name yeah. fills all the senses. Uh, yeah seemed important, and, and in the connection between Moses and, and God, the exchange of names as it were, uh, it seemed important.
1: Yeah, I, I think it certainly was. It, your sermon um, made me think about all the times that God names people, yeah. and I think that's, you, you kind of mentioned how um, names are really important and our pronouns are important, but you never mentioned that they are static, necessarily. So I thought that was interesting, too, of thinking about um, this guy that knows us by name, even though our names change um, over time. You know, I don't, did you, so I give you nicknames. Um, Did you have nicknames growing up?
0: Oh, yeah. None that that I considered terribly flattering. Oh, they
1: were all mean? Oh, no, they
0: were. I was a chubby kid, so I got a lot of, I got, I mean, my siblings called me Barrel. Uh, That
1: is (laughs) me. I always think, did anyone ever call you Bear? Or just like, was there a thing your family called you?
0: A bear was common, but it was not, I mean, I didn't think about it as bear the animal, just a shortening of berry.
1: Yeah.
0: Bear. Uh, And Lisa still calls me bear. Yeah. Um, But not because I'm particularly hairy.
1: (laughs) Just it's a a shortening of a nickname. It made me think of that, too, like how when I was a kid I had nicknames, and uh, my kids have nicknames, and when we grow up we kind of, you know, sometimes we lose them, sometimes we don't. Um, but how we kind of grow and evolve with these names that god still knows us through all of that um, and i i really loved the uh, call back to Romeo and Juliet it's been a while since I've kind mm-hmm. of sat with that that was a helpful way to kind of get at the names before we even arrive at our scripture story and thinking through what uh, what names could be so now that we've done a little uh, recap what was the what was your main takeaway that you wanted people to
0: I wanted people to leave with this sense that um, one, the reminder that, that God knows our names before we before we enter into any kind of relationship. God is in, in a relationship with us and, and calling us into relationship. Um, and that and that Moses is asking a legitimate question: you know, Who shall I say sent me? And it's and it's a and God gives this kind of tongue-in-cheek, I think, mm-hmm. response of to, you know, just tell him I am and the depth of that um, very simple kind of tongue-in-cheek that Moses has to go with, mm-hmm. um, the depth of what that came to be for the Jewish people and, and how we continue to hold it, um, even, if we, if, even as we have many names for God in both the Jewish and, and the Christian tradition and beyond in Islam and, and uh, Hindu Hinduism and Buddhism. And beyond, so we have all these names, but we're still at this place where I tried to touch ground with with Paul Tillich doing doing the ground of being, and, and that was really the rabbit hole I wanted to go down, but didn't go very far. But that is to say, that what we are what we were trying to do with a name is to put God into some place where we can relate in relationship,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but God is beyond what we can really understand, because it is, God is not being; God is being itself.
1: Yeah. Well, I think I, I really appreciated the in-depth going into that with your sermon because um, I think in, in Christendom, when we hear I Am, um, in, in the context of God, if you're like me, we kind of just use it as a name, and we use it as a name for God. We don't necessarily break it up part, part and parcel, so I think you talking about what Moses' name meant was really helpful, and it made me think, like, what does this name actually mean for which gets you right to that Tillich point of like, mm-hmm. I am the ground of all being. Like, what does it mean that our creator, I am, I am. And um, because I had not, I use it as a name. And, you know, like you said, a name is kind of like a substitute for a thing, a living, breathing, you yeah. know, something in some capacity. Um, it really made me consider um, more about who God is.
0: And, and one of the places where I I, I kind of stopped uh, and really, brought it more into the into the prayer class that I'm teaching. Um, even our names don't contain us, mm-hmm. right? It's it's kind of a, a mark that or an emblem that that is convenient to use, but it certainly doesn't contain us. Mm-hmm. So in the class, I was asking people how they got their names. What do you know about how you got your names? And and we talked about name changes and mm-hmm. and all through Scripture, we get God naming people and renaming
1: people. Renaming people.
0: Um, And and that and it's a it's a new identity, it's a new purpose. um, God's repurposing you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's a it's a new season and a new time in life, and for that you need a new name. Yeah. um, And and some of God's estimation. So that is a really helpful, I think, device for us to understand, particularly um, our siblings that are transitioning and needing a new name, um, finding a name that really resonates with what their gender identity might be, like you know, Abraham, Abram, Jacob, Israel, Sarah, Sarai to Sarah. Those are all really beautiful examples of the fact that, that the name changing has kind of always been part of our tradition for new seasons. Yeah. The honorifics we have changed throughout our life for new times.
0: Yeah. And and how Jesus is is uh, labeled through the gospels changes, mm-hmm. and John, being John, picks up on the "I am" identification of God, and now he uses it for for Jesus. Jesus is, you know, keep, repeatedly says, "I am the Good Shepherd. Mm-hmm. I am the Lamb of God. I am," um, and I think there's fourteen "I am"s in, in the Book of John. Uh, but yeah, it's it's this one. At the moment you think you got it, something more expansive comes in.
1: Yeah. And our language is a tool to help with that, but cannot, you know, language is limiting in that sense. It it cannot totally define. It really is. It's a lot of what we have. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was thinking, too, that I appreciated your kind of call to action at the end to take time to introduce ourselves to God and how the practice of clarifying who we are can... Can clarify some of how we understand who God is and what that relationship looks like, and I think especially for a congregation that can be as intellectual and heady as ours, um, thinking through those small aspects of introduction in a relationship are important. I was thinking like you know there are several songs and like cultural moments where like allow me to reintroduce myself. That's what I was. <laughs> That's what I was kind of thinking about.
0: Could have done that song, right? <laughs> what it? Is that the songs? Who does that song? She's not so. I don't know. Yes. It'll exactly. come to me after we're done. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, I, I don't even know, and I'm the one who said it. Yeah. So. <laughs> but it is an interesting thought of uh, um, introducing ourselves uh, to our Creator, who we would affirm knows us, you know, wholly. But the practice of that is part of us knowing ourselves. And when we know ourselves, we, we get clarity in the relationship
0: and we do that we do that in the best of our human relationships right mm-hmm. where, where there's a high level of trust and we can sit down and exhale and say this is who I am today or this is where I'm at today um, and we often don't give ourselves permission to do that before God it's kind of like we're, we expect ourselves to present ourselves in the best way possible before God as though God doesn't know yeah right. Uh, and so, giving ourselves permission to do that introduction, and for us to really think about what am I bringing today,
2: yeah. I think it's
0: part of part of what we've lost in the uh, Catholic confessional. I mm-hmm. think that's part of what was good about confessional is we got to to um, present ourselves verbally to some to another person to be accountable. And with any luck, you know, we go beyond where I was as a kid. I remember going with my friends to St. Mary's Church and making up our confessions as we went because we certainly wouldn't tell the priest what we're actually doing. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. Well, and that kind of, part of that introduction of ourselves, I think it includes, yeah, that kind of honesty of, of who we are to ourselves, not even to another, like that's what's nice about naming it to another being is you have to say it out loud, you have to think about it for yourself, um, which I, I think is helpful. And I think you and I are in a unique position where um, every once in a while, we'll have folks come and, and do some sort of confessing because they feel that need. Um, or if we have people, whether they're parishioners or just people in our lives who are working through the 12 steps, um, sometimes some of those steps will yep. involve us. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And we're, a, you know, a trusted person they can come and kind of work through some of those uh, unique steps with um, as they kind of account some of that. And it's, those are always really beautiful moments and a be- beautiful process. And I think about um, God being able to receive that on our end and how knowing, instead of getting lost in the I am, the introduction of ourselves to the I am can kind of make that feel less overwhelming, and less nebulous.
0: One of the places I did not go, um, just because you can't do it all, but not. but the all of the interrelationship that went on between Moses and God at the burning bush mm. um, was all driven by what God knew Moses needed to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And Moses kind of tried to to move that in another direction. And finally, (laughs) it's like, okay, good. Who shall I say sent me? This sense that um, our prayer life, we we kind of constrict that to, this is what I want to talk to God about in terms of the things I'm struggling with. and We Mm -hmm. often forget that, Coming with that conversation is God calling us to do or be something. Yes. And and we we best be prepared for that.
1: Yeah. I well, there are times in my life where I have been scared to enter that conversation with God. I'm like, oh no, I'm gonna, you know what am I going to be asked to do? <laughs> I'm not going to want to do it. <laughs> where I have kind of been a little avoidance of so God in that area. And of course, uh, in my experience, whenever you do that, it doesn't. An upgrade. Um, you can, uh, things circle back around. And God's and, persistent. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, and in this case, it's helpful for us to know, like, part of this relationship God with God is, you know, God cares about justice for oppressed people, and that will probably be part of some of what all of us are called to do. Yeah. Perhaps not in the particular way Moses was, but um, part of being in a relationship with God is enacting justice in the world, and that in some way will reflect our prayers. It's not just like, hey, like you said, here's my laundry list of things that are crappy with me. <laughs> yeah, because God, God, God has a way and. of turning that around and saying, oh, yeah.
0: yeah, you're right. Things are really rough for you. You, you know, go uh, lead these people out of slavery and then we'll talk.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, people that you're kind of a part of ethnically but you don't understand. and Yeah, all of it is, I mean, Moses' story is so incredible. And I think because we're kind of, you know, vaguely familiar or very familiar um, with it, depending on who you are and your biblical knowledge. We kind of forget how how intriguing and like how exciting the story is. And I know some of it we're going to dig into this summer as we kind of go through some of the Hebrew scriptures. Um, but I'm, I'm excited for that too, because this was just a really great reminder of um, how incredible Moses' story is and how much we really can learn about who God is and who we are from it, from even the, just these 14 verses. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, and it's a kid's story, right? I mean, it's a story yeah. we, that we tell the youngest kids in the Sunday school because it's 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 beautiful, it's fun,
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know, to think about a God appearing in the bush that's that burning but doesn't get consumed. And having
1: to take off your shoes.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> Great.
0: Yeah. that's
1: a good one. Yeah. Well, lots yeah. to think about from it.
0: Well, I hope it was... Hope it was helpful in some way, and um, I had I had fun playing with it. I uh, it was one of those weeks where I did not put as much time in in the study part as I would have liked to, but uh, I had fun writing the writing part of it. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess partially because I've studied that text a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Is there anything else you want us to know? Um,
0: I don't I don't think so. Yeah. I think said.
1: It has been said. Well, um, this Sunday I'm preaching and uh, it'll be on um, how we pray together and specifically corporate prayer. Corporate prayer. And if you're not familiar with that term, um, <laughs> it is not the praying for businesses.
0: <laughs> Goldman Sachs will be here on Sunday. <laughs>
1: and, and they are welcome. That's just simply not what we mean with corporate prayer. It's how we all pray together. So if you've ever been confused about why we all say the same words, at the same time on a Sunday, this might be a week where you get an answer. Maybe not, but.
0: <laughs> well, we are going to find some way to yeah. to take a shot at it. We'll
1: talk about it we'll either way. we probably not
0: take a shot at it. Wrong. Uh, we're going to take a try.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. A try. All right. Well, we'll catch you next week.